My name is Alex Kashuta, and this is the Subversive Podcast. It's an excuse for me to talk to some of the most interesting people on the heterodox to heretic spectrum. Everyone from iconoclast philosophers to rogue scientists to real post-BuzzFeed journalists and our true intellectual elite, Twitter anonymous accounts. In short, they're quite subversive. Enjoy. Today I'm joined by Athenian Stranger. He is a famed Twitter space host, uh, a philosophical maximalist, and the gray eminence behind the Underground University Project. Welcome, Stranger. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's great to be here. I really appreciate this. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's uh, I've I've kind of followed your your rise to to fame uh, among among our circles for for a while, and and I'm very happy that you agreed to come on. And I, I feel like you you provide I wouldn't even call it a, a service. It's it's a, a certain mediation with with forces that are older and more profound than than many things uh, that exist out there. So I think. It's, it's absolutely invaluable, the, the type of deep dives you do in your spaces and beyond um, and with, uh, with Underground University. And I guess my first question to you is that, you know, you essentially teach the classics now to different people who are interested uh, in them um, in, in an anonymous capacity. And um, I wonder, what is it about the classics? What type of information is so... Um, so underground, why is it behind an ideological curtain? Like, what what do the ta- the classics teach us that is so um, you know unsayable nowadays? Yeah. Um, so uh, so a lot of a, a lot of that comes from what is written essentially on on the website that we have uh, the underground university uh, sort of behind the veil uh, because it's become very difficult to get a reliable education at all, uh, not just in academia, but even in public education, even in especially in public education right now. And so when I came to Twitter, I wanted to just post content as far as, uh, you know, my expertise, which is the great books, the classics. Um, and that became very difficult really quickly because uh, the, the you know you get attacked uh, from all sides, except for uh, the orbit that I'm in with uh, with the Frog Twitter guys. They're they're just amazing. And what it what I do with the books is just what I think that everyone has within them already. Everyone is wanting to learn. Right. I mean, everyone is interested in, I mean, we could call it truth or something like that, but everyone is, everyone, everyone literally has that curiosity inside of them. Like, you know, they'll hear words like Plato or Aristotle, uh, and you know, they'll, they'll kind of roll their eyes, but I mean, they still want to, they still want to know, they still want to, they still have a curiosity about it. Uh, and so I bring that, uh, to, to Twitter, um, from a perspective that people don't have to be worried about anything as far as whether it's uh, been corrupted or what have you. 
uh, all of the various ideologies that reign today. Uh, these have these have been a long time in the making, uh, a couple hundred years or so, but they've really heightened uh, lately um, because of all the political activism that goes on, and so I think that's that's what makes probably my success at least with Twitter uh, and, and elsewhere. So, so good is because people know that I'm not trying to put a spin on things of just say, look, this is what it is. Uh, and uh, people like that. Um, I think that's yeah. sort of a longer, a longer answer to your shorter question. No, I think, I think that's, you know, there's obviously a lot of value in it. I find value in it. I, um, I, I can see that, you know, like you said, the, the kind of the so-called cycle of regimes is accelerating. Do you really, do you think that, you know, this technological substrate is, is a factor in that? Is that what's, what's kind of putting fire on the flames? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say that certainly at least on Twitter with spaces, we're living through a genuine revolution here. That's unlike what any of us might have thought was going to happen when they, uh, I remember they got, I don't even remember what they were called now. Uh, what, what were those things at the top of your Twitter app that you could like post a picture or something like that? Fleets. <laughs> the fleets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember they got rid of fleets and I remember uh, like everybody else, I was, I was kind of mad. I was like, well, they just, they take everything away from us. And the next thing you know, they gave us spaces and I just thought yeah. to myself, well, this is interesting. And so I would just open one up. Uh, and next thing you know, you're talking to people all over the world. Um, and it became immediately obvious to me, at least, that uh, this is an amazing opportunity uh, to really be able to share uh, whatever expertise you may have, uh, anybody, right, on any topic uh, with other people to hopefully at least get away from what most of the spaces have become lately. For instance, with all of, I mean, you just look at the title of some of these spaces and you're like, oh, okay, I'm not even going to go in there. Uh, but, uh, but me and a couple other people, uh, uh, one of my, uh, one of my very dear mutuals, uh, ancient philosophy, uh, we, we host a number of these things where we just, we'll pick a topic, uh, we'll, we'll pick a philosopher or we'll pick a question. I mean, We'll make it as broad or as narrow as possible and then just really explore it all the way down. And in many cases, uh, for instance, with the Greeks, uh, to the language of, of the Greeks, right? I mean, we'll, I mean, we'll dive all the way into the etymology of various words like uh, in English, happiness and stuff like this, and, uh, all those sorts of things. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible canvas, um, especially for also for kind of you know, disseminating uh, information uh, because I, I, it just feels a bit like a, a new frontier. I don't know how how regulated this stuff is. I know that there are certain kind of famous spaces that were recorded and then the information therein made its way to, you know, more problematic consequences and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, but I feel like, you know, your average space, especially something that's like very thematic, like, okay, the, I don't know, whatever, you know, Plato's Republic or something like that wouldn't necessarily attract that type of stuff. You know, people wouldn't be like 
preying on it to extract some some damning you know stuff to to then then publish so i don't know it, f- it feels a bit like a wild west uh, at this point and that's an opportunity for uh, people kind of with a with a dissident strain on uh, people who want to you know talk about stuff that's not i mean stuff that i've heard in spaces i you know even on this podcast would be sometimes hard to uh you know i, I don't think i could put out just because it would be taken down immediately and yeah, I mean, it's possible it, you might even have uh, heard something that I would have said that would, would have been taken down. I mean, I've, I've had some rather might, epic... Might be. <laughs> I've had some epic I, I recommend uh, Night Owls with, uh, you know, um, current yeah, yeah. Moldova, no, future Moldovian, Moldavian citizen and uh, Nightmare Vision. Very, uh, very good. Yeah, thing. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's I'll, the one I also catch in my, in my stupid time zone. That's why as well. Yeah, I mean, you ought to you ought to keep an eye out for a, a, another dear friend of mine, mutual uh, prodigal. Uh, he's great. Uh, you'll you'll see him pop up in some of these enormous spaces because I mean, the man is just an incredible wealth of knowledge. Uh, but once he gets going, uh, it's just hilarious uh, because he has a way of just providing just enormous amounts of information, but also in a hilarious way, sort of kind of punching back at people, right? Because I mean, at least you know, the people I'm friends with, and certainly myself, uh, we find ourselves on the receiving end of this weapon that they've turned social media into, if it wasn't always a weapon, you know, to censor us, to ban us, uh, to try to destroy us uh, personally. These, these people, I mean, they would literally celebrate in the streets uh, if they could I mean, literally destroy our, our personal lives. That's why I get so furious when I hear people, even who are supposed to be conservatives, trashing anonymous Twitter because they have no idea the the invaluable things that are happening, particularly on anonymous Twitter. I mean, me and a, a and a handful of other people. I mean, you could sort of run down the list. I mean, people like Zero HP Lovecraft, Raw Egg Nationalist. I mean, just go down the list. These people are providing just an amazing amount of content that, you know, for whatever reason, politically speaking, if they were to, you know, be known, if it was to come out who they were or whatever, I mean, of course, people would try to just, their people who don't like them would simply try to destroy them. Uh, and they would do that to all of anonymous Twitter. So I hear stuff like, you know, Jordan B. Peterson equating anons with, you know, trolls. And that's such that's that, that that's such a logical fallacy. You almost have to ask yourself: Has someone, like, why would anyone say that? I mean, that's just such a ridiculous slander. Uh, but you hear it all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's there's definitely a big kind of backlash against anonymous Twitter at the moment from the so-called, I guess, former IDW, um, like intellectual dark web types. Um, I think Jordan Peterson. I feel like he kind of built his whole career on the fact that he was willing to, you know, say the truth at an uncomfortable moment. You know, the fact that what he considers to be true that, you know, don't, don't compel speech. Um, you know, the fact that he draws a line, just, just, you know, one step behind that and and says, okay, everything from here on out is a lie is not truth. Uh, that's, that's a bit controversial to me as well. Um, but I can kind of see, I feel like, you know, he's, he's, put out all his best stuff. And he has been inspiration for a lot of people. So I think he's a good influence from that perspective. But he's not he's not good on the 
um, you know, he he's essentially a liberal. That's that's I feel like the problem here, and and the liberal in the sense of you know a lib, and uh, he really has those blinders on where you know there really is. Um, you know, the, everything that's outside his so-called truth bubble is kind of anathema. Um, the fact that he doesn't see that, you know, that's just the way the system works and, you know, it's, it's all nested bubbles all the way down. Um, you know, that's, that's a big problem, but I feel like, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of his brand. Yeah, I, I, think, I think what you said is exactly correct. Um, everything from the fact that, you know, he sort of built himself on speaking in his own name uh, and risked whatever it was that he could lose, uh, you know, all the way to the point that he's fundamentally always been someone of the left. That's generally speaking how all academia is. They're just, I mean, they're surrounded by that so much. I, I don't want to, I don't want to say that they don't know any better because, uh, at some point you have to think, I mean, these are intelligent people. Uh, but then again, I mean, if you live in a world that is just so catered to uh, all the way around they maybe they really don't see what they're talking about but i mean we all see it on twitter you know when you scroll down the the various timelines of people like you know someone like a bill crystal or a jonah jonah goldberg or something you're like there's no possible way these people can call themselves conservatives because they literally are supporting everything that the left would would want to be supported right i mean these uh, these people are just, uh, well, uh, I won't say it on your podcast. But. No, feel free to say it. I mean, this is definitely one of the few podcasts where we uh, unanimously agree that this, uh, you know, we're definitely not, not a not a pro-David French, pro-Jonah Goldberg type place. Um, yeah, I mean, I maybe yeah, I that's just, also... Uh, I was just yeah. trashing French this morning uh, because he tried to, he, he, he scribbled some article, some recent article about... Uh, Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson not understanding the First Amendment and how it applies to Hunter Biden's laptop, and I'm like, I'm like, there is no possible way you could be this dumb, uh, you know. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that's one of the things of human nature is that, uh, I mean, you look back in history and it's just filled. I mean, I mean, you can go back as far as you want, all the way to Herodotus or Homer, and you'll find people who are always willing to sell themselves to whatever the highest bidding is. And they'll betray, well, I mean, they won't even have any principles whatsoever. These are unprincipled people. And they will sort of sell themselves to, to who, whomever, uh, for whatever, really. Yeah, they're, they're definitely just kind of wearing the, the skin suit of some kind of Reaganite idea to destroy everything that's vital and good in, in the new right. Or, you know, the relatively potent strain of the right that everyone seems to be a gathering around now. And that's kind of, I think, you know, he was, I think, appealing to the fact that, you know, there's a distinction between a private enterprise and government. And I'm like, is there really with, with these immense companies like, like Twitter, you know, monopolies on, on what they're doing, tendrils of government deep in the bowels of Twitter, just, you know, puppeting it like a, like a meat suit. Like it's, it's just yeah, absolutely... It, it, no, completely. And, and it's just so stupid, too, because he's 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 trying to make the argument that so many other people are trying to make when they say, well, I voted for Joe Biden. I didn't vote for his son. That That's dumb, uh, because from what we can tell about the laptop, uh, this man was this man, Joe Biden, was fundamentally corrupted. And going all the way back to at least. You know, when he was in 
Obama's administration, right, as vice president, using his son as this vessel, uh, you know, to go around the world and just sort of collect money uh, for the family, right? I mean, it's just, and so these people that ignore that, they'll, they'll try to say that it has to do, you know, with what Twitter as a public or private company can do and cannot do. And it's like that, that, that is absolutely irrelevant when it comes to the possible crime that is being uh, addressed here. And, but that's the thing is they don't want to, they don't want to agree that yes, you know, Hunter Biden's laptop shows uh, without any doubt whatsoever that Joe Biden was in on all of this. He is the big guy, right? I mean, he's the big guy, right? Donald Trump was right about that. He's the big guy. Uh, and everyone already knew it anyway, but now these people are just, they're just sort of running, they're providing cover for all of these other news medias to not cover it, right? So the more you have some jackass like David French or probably any of those uh, pedophiles at the Lincoln Project, uh, the more they can you know, trash Elon Musk or Tucker Carlson, the more that the regular mainstream media doesn't even have to address it, right? They're just like, oh, that's just some weird anomaly that's happening on social media or something. So, yeah. How do you feel the the vibe shift? I mean, these are, you know, like I, like you said, the mainstream media is trying to downplay all this stuff. It's like they're trying to wave it away, but they're also at the same time like paddling like crazy under the surface to to try to, um, you know, do um, damage control. Um, how big do you think this thing is? Like, you know, Musk taking over Twitter. Um, Seems like signs are trickling in from all over high places that people are kind of starting to understand um, maybe a lot of the implications that classical philosophy teaches us. Um, and um, what, what do you think is, is going on? And, you know, is the trend positive for us or is this just kind of another speed bump for, you know, global neoliberal takeover forever? I mean, we'll we'll see. My there's a number of things about this that are, you know, at the very least, very concerning. Uh, one of my, one of my, my friends, uh, uh, Aristos, uh, pointed, and he's, he's usually always right about these things. He pointed out that very possibly what's happening is that what they're going to do to get around this whole thing with Elon is they're actually going to finally sort of create, you know, a new, an entirely new social media platform that'll just make Twitter obsolete. Um, you know, in, in other words, the left will do uh, what they took away from the right being able to do. Remember when they banned Donald Trump and Trump created, you know, these various platforms. The next thing you know, uh, Apple and all these other places were not even, you know, providing possibility to download the app or anything like that. And so it's possible that that's going to happen. That would not surprise me. That's why, you know, you see some of these, these very fragile uh, celebrities and stuff saying they've left Twitter and stuff. I mean, it, maybe, maybe that's what's happening is that they already know that there's going to be another larger one built or something like that that'll make Twitter obsolete. But then on the other hand, um, if that's not the case, I, I, which I hope not, then you have to ask yourself, okay, well, how far is Elon really going to be able to allow it to go? Because we're talking about, this isn't just sort of an issue of Joe Biden's corruption. This is an issue of the fact that the left has been able to control the narrative on all of this. Uh, 
and particularly over the whole COVID thing and the Black Lives Matter stuff, all of these things sort of come together and the left has gone so far over whatever their constitutional authorities are that too many too many big names have too much to lose, right? I mean, this is like this is like Hillary Clinton with the Epstein's, right? I mean, these people, you know, Hillary Clinton and, and her husband uh, are still free. And it seems like everyone associated with them regarding the Epstein's, you know, they end up dead, somehow managing to commit suicide by not only hanging themselves, but shooting themselves and probably burning themselves or something like that. I mean, it's just amazing the crap that they say. Um, but but we'll see what that what happens. I personally think and this is just from the perspective of, you know, I would say something like the great books, uh, something you see particularly in Thucydides um, is what happens to a people when they simply become intoxicated with this madness uh, that we're seeing right now. People call it woke or what have you. It's, it's, it's all various forms of simple self-hatred at this point. You have regular people who honestly believe you have sort of the the white middle class in America, the wives and the sort of the, the the silent husbands, who honestly believe that you know this there should be tolerance for these transsexuals and the bathrooms and their schools and all this kind of stuff, uh, and that you know maybe they maybe they do in fact have white privilege and they should feel bad for it and they should pay reparations. Uh, all of this is insanity. Uh, and it, it's it's a kind of intoxication with a, a, a self hatred, really, and and we see this, for instance, in Thucydides. I mean, Thucydides actually says this this madness swept over the Athenians to do this ridiculously uh, dangerous and haphazard expedition to Sicily, and it cost them everything. And he gets very, very explicit about what he says happens, right? These various sort of demagogues that arise and then, no, you know, they change the meanings of words, uh, all, all this sort of stuff. It's sort of, a, you know, Orwell before Orwell. And it was all there. And, and I, just, I just think that we've gone so far down uh, this path of this kind of insanity that I don't personally see a way out of it. I see it as being something that's just going to continue to play itself out too many people have too many very big people have too much to lose. Uh, they're too big to fail, right? Uh, and I honestly believe that the left in America, at least, um, the left in America would embrace something like rule by China uh, before they would ever, you know, play by any rules that are instituted where they might lose to the right. I just don't see it happening. And, and when I say by the right, I mean the actual right. Not the Mitch McConnell uh, people and all of their corruption and everything like that. Uh, I'm talking about uh, real people who are conservative. Uh, I, I just don't see that. I don't see us uh, coming out of this this madness because you also have to keep in mind, and this is sort of where I come into things uh, with the education and all that, like with underground university. Um, it only takes a couple generations for people to completely lose contact with reality. So, for instance, if you were think about every third grader in America right now, for the last three years, this is all they've known. Uh, this is literally all they've known. They don't have a point of reference to go back and say, "Well, this is insanity." 
to transgender bathrooms. What the hell are you talking about? You look at anyone who just graduated high school in the last couple of years and think of your own life when you were a sophomore, a junior, a senior in high school. You were very, very uh, influential, right? Or you could be influenced very easily to, you know, want to go off to college to study something, right? Because young people always want to make a difference. They want to, they want to be devoted to something that's larger than themselves. Uh, and if you have all these kids who honestly believe that, you know, America is fundamentally racist, even even and especially if they're white, that's what's so hilarious about it. Uh, they will go off and they will they will become these majors in these activist programs or these climate change, you know, foaming at the mouth sort of people uh, who really believe that by making cars illegal, that, you know, America is making gas cars illegal, that somehow America is going to lead the way. We won't be leading the way into anything except our own destruction. Um, but but that's what happens, right? I mean, and and so... It takes actually less time in a people's history than we've actually been through uh, since COVID and all that kind of stuff, uh, or the, just the insane reaction to the left of Donald Trump in general. It takes far less time than that, as shown to us in history, for an entire people to just be completely lost. And I think that uh, certainly in America, at least, we are completely lost. Uh, and to the extent that other people recognize it, uh, they just sit quiet about it. They don't say anything because they're they're afraid, and understandably so. They're afraid they're going to lose their jobs because they see people losing their jobs. They're afraid they're not going to be able to, you know, pay the the mortgage for the house they provide for their family. Uh, not going to be able to put food on the table, and understandably so because that's what the left has done. That's what these check marks on Twitter have done. That's what these people like David French, uh, Bill Crystal. That's what all of them make possible sort of the subversion entirely of the right from within the right. Um, and, and that's, that's where things stand. And, and so to, to see, or to get back to your original question of what you think the vibes are, um, that's where I think the momentum at least is going is certainly to sort of inundate us and just, just sort of just destroy any vestiges that's left of that. So that, you know, every elementary school in America will be, will be teaching more uh, African studies uh, than they would be teaching mathematics. Uh, we are American students already operate well below their grade level at the math they know, but yet we're supposed to uh, add on top of what teachers teach them things like gender and uh, African studies and these sorts of things. Uh, and that's already instituted and they all, they all own the institutions. The left owns the institutions. Uh, so just a change in a president is not enough. Uh, to fix these sorts of things, uh, uh, just to be able to fix what has happened in the past few years would take generations, I think, uh, decades easily. But we see no change in sight, uh, and that—that's—that's that's what frightens me. That's—that's that's what I'm concerned about. So. Yeah, this—it's—it's it's really interesting because you obviously you you bring back kind of his historical parallels and and the fact that this isn't the first time we've seen something like this, but. It is the first time that the left or those kind of the forces, those kind of entropic forces that animate the left have these incredible tools at, the, at their disposal. And they've been using them systematically, consciously since at least the 1960s. What I mean by that is media. I mean, I've been indoctrinated in, in left-wing thinking since I was a child just by watching 
essentially American productions. I speak this way because I've watched a lot of television. <laughs> this is the way people on that, TV speak. Yeah, and I, so, I would I would just simply add real quickly to that that um, that's what's so funny about seeing these American journalists get orgasmic about uh, the what's happening in Iran and also what's happening with that with the soccer people or whatever protesting and stuff. The people protesting in China. Uh, they act as if somehow America is not more propagate, ha- doesn't have more propaganda than any other country in the world, except maybe North Korea. We're just comfortable in our propaganda. That's the reason we don't see it. Uh, we think uh, that we have choices and stuff like that, but then you know we don't realize that it takes someone like a Donald Trump to come along and remind everyone that the news is simply fake. And now, now that curtain is being sort of pulled back. But anyway, I just wanted to add that because that can't be emphasized enough is that uh, America as a people is far more propagandized than any other country in the world. Just think about the uh, the number of uh, big pharma commercials that you see uh, constantly, you know, going directly to uh, ordinary Americans, w- skipping over the doctor altogether so that the people will go to their doctor to ask for these medications. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's just incredible. But anyway, I'm sorry I, I sort of uh, interrupted you there. But please, go no, ahead. no, it's you know, I I, I live in in an offshoot of the empire, and it's probably partly as bad as that. It's just we we haven't gotten the, the the gear up. We haven't gotten things up to that speed. I don't think you can have sup- supplements advertised on TV, but I don't think you can have actual. Uh, I think this is EU regulation, not necessarily a bad one. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an it's an insane degree of things speaking to you, consuming all of your available attention, essentially robbing you of a big part of your humanity, which is just you know being bored and focusing and and kind of relaxing limbically in your surrounding. Like it's that, that is know. such an important good, and amazing point is. And that gets back around to everything that sort of defines my existence, uh, certainly on Twitter, is how are we supposed to slow down uh, in this world that is so fast-paced? And it's only teaching us to be more fast-paced, right? Because, I mean, that's how the social media is, that's how they make us addicted to it, right? Uh, Is you expect immediate returns on things. I, I can still remember when all you had to worry about uh, you know, was receiving, you know, question mark, question mark, question mark in a text if you didn't respond quick enough. Uh, now people will absolutely go insane if they can't find a YouTube instructional video on how to do, you know, whatever their math assignment is or something. Or, or the various philosophers, right? They, they're like, they're like, well, okay, that's great, uh, you know, that Plato's Republic is, you know, 500 something pages, but uh, it, does that come like in a Cliff Notes version uh, and actually not even a Cliff Notes version? Does it come in like a little two or three minute video on YouTube that sums it all up for me? Because that's the dumbing down of everyone, right? That's And that's what needs to be emphasized with with the embrace of the the, the rapidity, the, the fast-paced society that we're living in that's only increased that's what that's the whole point of social media is it increases it increases uh the rapidity with which we fly through life and the more that that gets increased without people being aware of it they sim- we, we simply become less thoughtful i mean it's, it's just it, it to me that's obvious is that we become less thoughtful because we immediately 
think, well, hold on, I'll ask my friend about this, or I'll ask my friend about this, right? It's like everyone knows someone uh, who can do it for them, and, and it doesn't matter what the thing is, you know, they're going to they're gonna defer to them, and so they're all, uh, we all become less thoughtful because of that. Yeah, I, I recently read something, a snippet of something, actually, a very quick snippet on social media. I think it was from, from Zero HP. Um, and I think he was reviewing that book by the last psychiatrist, the sadly porn book, I think. And I, I don't know if this is his idea or if it's something that he's taken out of the book and explaining. Uh, but the idea that essentially all of visual media is porn, and especially it is porn at this point, where because you're not allowing yourself or this media is not allowing you to generate your own fantasies. It's all been planted into you. And in a way, you're kind of living out these, you know, these these weird um, ideas that someone else, especially marketers, like, you know, I've been recently like kind of gently trying to renovate my my home, um, and actually, um, I had I had some some very strict ideas about what it would look like, and now like in the last few days, I feel like I've woken up from a dream because. My home is kind of like my family home. Um, we have also, it's kind of like a museum, most of the stuff that my parents have collected throughout the years and, you know, weirder stuff, nicer stuff, whatever. My my idea was to completely gut it and turn it into like whatever, a restoration hardware type, you know, place that looks, you know, like that someone from some mommy blogger from Pinterest implanted into my brain through sponsored, you know, deals. Uh, and I was just about to pull the trigger on buying some weird stuff, changing everything out. And then I realized, what am I doing? <laughs> I'm just trying to uh, replicate this pornographic dream of a home, a standard American, whatever, I don't know, ranch style home that doesn't even fit into, into the world that I live in, doesn't mesh with anything I have. I would literally have to throw everything out and buy new stuff. It completely ignores the fact that I have, you know, wonderful kind of almost artwork type furniture that my parents left me. And I just, I, I felt completely retarded because I feel like I'm bulletproof to a lot of psyops just because, you know, I've been in frog Twitter for probably almost a decade now and, you know, adjacent spaces. Um, and, um, you know, <laughs> this, this taught me a lot about, about, you know, essentially this, this strange pornographic nature of everything that comes through, through the little, the little square. Um, and it's, I don't know, it, it was almost, almost scary to to kind of wake up from that yeah i mean the, all of that sounds exactly correct you know it used to be you used to be able to say something like seeing is believing but now everyone has seen everything with the way in which you i mean <laughs> you can literally see everything with a with a quick search on the old google uh but the danger there and I know the, the 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 sort of the porn reference there is just kind of a, an analogy, but really it's not even an analogy because the sort of the dopamine and all that is the same. But we're in uncharted territory now because when you don't, the the thing about the human imagination, uh, and this is something Aristotle says, and I think he's simply correct, and this is also thematic throughout Plato, is that. Uh, what Aristotle says is you can't even think without images. The the images that you create in your mind uh, through the faculty of imagination, right? You can't even think without those. And the problem is that uh, if you if you're always 
taking in this infinite amount of images elsewhere, you're never really sort of doing the own recombinant work on your end uh, with just a, a, a select number of important images. For instance, think about the fact that if you were to only read something like Plutarch, right? Plutarch writes this book called The, Li- the Lives of uh, the Great Eminent Greeks and Romans. And the only reason he picks out these particular people is for their greatness, right? Um, Nietzsche picks up on this and says that if I just had a hundred men who had only read Plutarch, I could take over the world. And it's because uh, those men have been educated in greatness, right? What 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 beauty could be at the highest level of human flourishing, human excellence, and Unfortunately, what we have in this newfound world is very little of that, but an onslaught, uh, literally a veritable flood of mediocre to outright degenerate images uh, that people flood themselves with, right? Anyone who has ever been in any group chat has experienced this. I've, I've, you know, certainly any woman who's ever been on a dating app has experienced these sorts of things, right? I mean, you're on the receiving end of images that you don't want to see. Uh, and then it's sort of, it's like, oh my God, now I can't unsee it. Uh, and, and, you know, we laugh, we laugh because we realize that there's truth in it, right? And, and that's exactly the problem is when you can't see unsee some images because they're so extreme of what you don't want in your mind, uh, they pull down all the rest, right? They, they bring you back down, right? They, some people would call it realism. Like, well, you know, looking at the the body of a blown up corpse, you know, that should sort of ground you back in reality or something. And, and I mean, yeah, true. But also if you stay focused on just pictures of uh, images, right, of uh, great leaders, great generals, great heroes right really then you'll even be better off uh and the and this gets even really worse when you think about the youth because the youth today and i always tell this to parents parents will parents are amazing at being able to blind themselves to what's really happening in their own house um parents will literally think that their kids have not seen porn or they wouldn't be looking at these kinds of the most outrageous porn. Uh, and I just ask them, I say, well, does your son or your daughter have an iPhone? And, you know, they'll say, yes, of course. Uh, and I say, well, it's already in your home. Uh, everything you never want them to see is already in your home. And the thing about the youth is that, and this is what makes them so great, right? Is, I mean, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Uh, they have that willingness to, they're daring, right? They have that sort of that, that they want to push the envelope, right? And that's a great thing about them, but it can be very dangerous when you combine it with a situation of something like pornography. And then sort of like what you were saying is that, uh, they've seen everything. They no longer create their own sort of images. They, they're, they're just living out fantasies that they've already seen probably over in abundance, other people performing, uh, and they will expect that in their own relationships, Right. And so next thing you know, we've got generations of young people now who are already, that's already reality for them. And we don't know what's on the tail end of that, right? We're in America living under the kind of 
a gerontocracy, right, of old people. You know, we've got this 80-year-old president, you get 80-year-old senators, 90-year-old senators. Well, they're from a long time ago, right? We don't know what it's like to live under the rule of people like the youth today who have this newfound discovery of, of the most amazing uh, human degeneracy possible. So again, completely uncharted territory that we don't know what's on the other end of it. Uh, it's probably going to be like a present from like a, a grandparent or something where you just don't know what's inside of it, but you probably, you know, you're probably not going to like it. It's probably not going to really have anything to do with you. Um, and I, I worry about that. And, and that's where, you know, I point to the fact that, again, the best solution, certainly the time proven solution to all these things uh, is to really go back to something like the classics, to really reteach people how to set aside time in their daily life, uh, no matter how busy, to take seriously the business of reading good books. Uh, because in a world filled of bad things, of evil people, monsters, really, uh, you're not going to find the heroes you want looking around you, right? We've already seen everyone collapse. Every, everyone uh, literally has bowed the knee, right? I mean, you watch all the football players you know, take a knee for the national anthem and, you know, hold up a fist for Black Lives Matters, all this kinds of crap. Uh, so these people are not heroes, they're cowards. Uh, so where can we find real heroes in a world that doesn't have any? Well, you're going to have to go back to books, uh, sort of plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, these are all very uh, fears that, that I have for my son and, you know, whatever, maybe future children I'll have. Um, the idea that, um, I think, you know, just knowing whatever genetic material I've, I've added to the combination, he'll probably be someone who's a bit, uh, at least contrarian. He's probably going to question whatever, whatever comes his way that doesn't really fit the pattern or whatever he's noticing around him. But at the same time, my fear is that because he he's already kind of living in this world um, and he will have so much contact with technology and he will be living in this essentially space where he's been been robbed of the possibility of an imagination he'll be a completely different kind of human i feel like there my fear is that he'll be changed in an essence where he and what i've noticed about people who are of of that generation or younger people even maybe my generation a bit younger who fall in really into the internet they they tend to fall in on themselves they tend to just end up searching their inner world for some answers and then just walking in a circle, uh, just not knowing what's wrong with them, you know, because essentially what you get from from TV is this essentially, you know, therapy culture. The idea that, um, you know, you, you have to go on some sort of internal vision quest and if you find what, you know, sparks your bliss, you know, find your calling, uh, whatever, find the best career for you or just kind of customize your personal experience in such a way you're going to hit that that sweet spot and everything's going to be perfect. Um, and I've, you know, I've got people of my generation who I see walking in that circle. There's no way out of it. And I personally know that the way out of it is out of it. You need to get out of it. You need to do things in the reality. You need to engage with, I don't call them embodied practices. I don't know, canning some vegetables or just, you know, going outside, digging around in your garden, playing with your children if, you know, if you have them. So stuff like this. Um, but if I tell this to to my friends, they're like, nah. 
that's not it. You know, that, that'd be, that'd be too easy. Um, so I'm still, I'm going on a retreat. I'm going to, you know, have this, I have to be alone for two weeks. I'm going to figure this out. No, <laughs> you're not. You have to get out of it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's another just excellent point. And that's, that, that's why a number of us, at least among my friends, uh, we emphasize things like exercise, athletics. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, well, I mean, I could sort of run down the list of all the things that I love to, but I mean, that's, that's the point though, is that, uh, what happens when you're in this world of being plugged in all the time? You're literally just staring at screens all day for your entertainment. Uh, you know, I receive that notification at what nine nine a.m. every Sunday that tells me how much time I've spent on my phone. And I can only imagine what these young kids uh, how much time they spend on theirs uh, or playing video games, which for the life of me, I'll never understand. Um, but that's that's the thing, right? And so we have this kind of uh, by all standards you look at the the youth today versus the youth of a few decades ago and the youth of today is simply effeminate they're not they're not these kind of athletes uh, who would love going to the gym and working out i mean even even the physique competitors uh, when you look at a lot of these physique competitors uh, in the fitness world they're kind of they're mostly like metrosexual uh, these are not the kind of people who would have been in, for instance, like a Sylvester Stallone movie or something of the 80s, right? Uh, even if their physiques are better, it's like, I don't know, man, it's kind of suspicious. Is that looks like you have eyeshadow on, man. Like, it's like, you know, great physique, but uh, dude, you're a man, you got eyeshadow on. Um, but, but that's, and all of these things are problematic, right? But I think uh, that's another thing that's just important is to always you know, just the same way you got to look, the, the mind and the body are, are, they're not separate. These things are unified. Uh, the healthy mind is not the one that even in my case would sit around and read books all day, right? I mean, you have to make time to do some kind of exercise, uh, you know, to, to find that harmony that's going to make you more of a complete person in a sense, a complete human being, a complete man, these, these kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I worry about that because, you know, they've they've found a way uh, to really monetize having kids and everyone really uh, plugged into social media twenty four seven. So it already is in many respects sort of the 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 pod world, right, where everyone's sort of in their pod and stuff like that. Yeah, and 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 the. The, I think that the effeminacy seems seems like like a symptom that is is everywhere, but it it feels like it's it's psychological on the one end, but it also feels like there's you know there's something in the water, and I mean depending on who you believe, <laughs> there's literally something in the water. But it's um, I don't know. It it feels like it's just a like we're we're evolving very fast in in that direction. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Thomas seven seven seven, as usual, said it best that these these Zoomers are just not horny enough. They'd they'd rather <laughs> they'd rather screw the the Snorlax Pokemon or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, that's that's funny. <laughs> my, like one of my friends, uh, Med, uh, on uh, on Twitter, he's always saying, you know, increase the fuck rate, increase the fuck rate. <laughs> I mean, he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, 
at least even uh, whatever in the in the early 2000s uh when i was in high school it, it did seem like <laughs> teenagers were more predatory but now uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't even imagine these these teenagers doing anything they just seem like i don't know despondent whenever you know because i i live very close to the high school that i i went to and maybe it's just my memory you know everyone seemed cooler and more hardcore <laughs> when i was a teenager especially cuz metal was really on a very popular back then. So people were, you know, dressing very hardcore. Um, but yeah, it's just um doesn't doesn't feel like uh doesn't feel like the same caliber of person. Um yeah, I don't know. It's it's a bit it's a bit scary. I don't even want to imagine just modeling another put another whatever 16 years on top and seeing, you know, what my what my son will be like as a as a High school senior, because at the same time, you know, I obviously am going to do my darnness to keep him, maybe not away, but at least very much aware of what's going on, and try to, you know, create a wonderful environment where he has access to all these wonderful things that we talk about. But at the same time, he's his own man, and he will be living, you know, maybe here in Romania, maybe in New Zealand, and we're not sure because my husband's from New Zealand, but he'll be in in the world. And that's that's always a big a big question for a parent, especially you know uh, at the at the turning of regimes, <laughs> it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, this this whole thing with the regimes and everything like that. I mean, that's why I've I've been doing this this kind of a series uh, on regime change in general, um, because I mean, again, this is, uh, and I think these two things are related: the technological revolutions that we're living through. Um, going hand in hand at the same time with these just amazing political transformations that are happening before our, our, our eyes that, you know, of, of course, every, everyone is saying they're not really happening, right? <laughs> Which is so funny. You know, you can call America a representative democracy all you want, but that's not what we have. The, the, the teaching of classical political philosophy, my area of expertise, it's, they're always emphatic that once you lose the institutions of education, that's what your regime is. You've lost your regime. When, when you lose education, uh, it doesn't matter what else is going on anywhere else in the regime on anything. You now have a new regime. And if you want to know what the regime is that you're living in, just look to the institutions of education because there's a reason people say kids are our future because they literally are. Um, and so if you want to know, uh, the, the status of your nation, of your people, uh, just look what's going on uh, in particular at the secondary schools. But I mean, all, all of them really, the universities and everything, Every, everyone likes to point at the universities lately because they stand out the most because they can get away with saying the most, uh, as if they're not somehow funded uh, by the government or something like that, uh, but secondary education is really where all that indoctrination is taking place. And if you were to look at any, you know, elementary school and say, what kind of regime are we living under? It would be a kind of leftist tyranny, uh, you know, run by a bunch of women with blue hair, uh, you know, telling all the kids that, you know, you can have as many genitalia or lack thereof as you want. Uh, you know, you don't like your, you don't like your penis. Well, okay. Uh, we can lop it off for you, uh, give you a vagina. Uh, I fully expect at any point, at any day now, uh, there's going to be a kid because again, this is this is the blessing and the curse of children is that they're daring. Uh, there will be someone, there will be some young kid 
who's going to drop trowel uh, in front of his class and say, look, I got two. Uh, I don't have just one penis. I've got two. Uh, and look, there's one in front. There's one in back. Uh, I can do all kinds of stuff that you can't do. Uh, and that's, you know, it's going to be the latest fashion uh, going from there. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, <laughs> any anything's possible at the moment. Uh, and uh, I mean, the fact that you you know you say leftist tyranny, it feels to me in in many ways that it kind of has to be a tyranny because uh, it really doesn't doesn't really self propagate leftism and, and and just in terms of of the actual ideas in it, it really has to be forced through because it laughs in the face of of lived reality. And the more we we go away from lived reality, the more we can distance ourselves from the actual you know facts of life, you know facts of nature. Uh, the easier it is to actually you know subtly force this stuff onto people. Um, and you said you know who owns the the institutions of education? I mean, there's nothing more educational than media, than Hollywood, and that's that's where I got my education. I I, I didn't learn to speak English at school. I mean, I already spoke English by the time I went to school. I just watched a lot of Cartoon Network, and that's that's how you get it. Um, and I was educated at this this very very um, interesting institution coming all the way from the center of the empire, um, and. This is an iron grip that I don't see uh, America losing anytime soon. And that's why I agree with you in the sense I feel like the empire is much it's much stronger in many ways than people give it credit for. Because, you know, this this is, you know, everyone watches Netflix. You know, this is the software that people around me are running. Um, and it's and I'm sure that, you know, probably Bulgaria is the same and whatever, Serbia is the same. And, you know, these strange faraway places that probably most people in America not necessarily haven't heard of, but don't know anything about, don't know one little factoid about. Uh, it's just, yeah, we are running the same, the same ideas. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing about tyranny that most people don't understand is that it comes in many forms. Most people, when they think of tyranny, they're going to think of immediately something like North Korea or China or something. They have no idea that soft tyranny is actually far more powerful and effective. If you can, it, it, it's one thing to force somebody to do something. It's something else entirely if you can persuade them to do it without them even realizing that they're agreeing to it. So, for instance, in America, you know, if Hollywood can pump out this movie or this TV series with great success called Modern Family, where you've got uh, you've got gays, uh, you've got uh, you got all kinds of stuff, right? But one thing is common among all of them is that the men are weak, they're laughable, uh, this kind of stuff, right? If you can, and, and then that that becomes an amazing success, and so people just think that that's 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 common they're like oh well yeah of course you know sure i don't mind this they never think for one moment uh that it could lead to something like uh the demand uh that children you know go see what is it the the tranny shows i forget what they call those whatever the the tranny the drag drag queen story yeah hour. yeah yeah that like the drag queen story hour uh, they never realize it could lead to that right i mean the, the slippery slope is in fact real but not, all of these things didn't happen overnight. That's what needs to be emphasized, sort of like what you were pointing out, you know, going back to the 60s. Uh, I mean, we could go back even further, really, at least in America, we could go all the way back. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess you could go back to the late uh, 1900s 
late 1800s. I mean, uh, but, but really, I mean, this, this stuff has been going on for a very long time. And even at the highest levels, right. I mean, we have these presidents who were former, uh, presidents of colleges, right. I mean, they were thoroughly Hegelian. Well, anyway, I don't want to, I, I wouldn't get too nerdy about it, but, that's, but that's the point is that yeah. this, this goes back a long way. Uh, there, there have been there have been a number of separate foundings of America. There wasn't just one set of founders. There was the initial founding, then there were refoundings. You know, certainly the Civil War was a refounding. Certainly LBJ with his new society was a refounding. Certainly FDR with his New Deal was a refounding. And I get into sort of, I've had to learn from some of my friends about this. I, I, I was very emphatic that Obama was another founding, basically a fourth founding of the country. But some of, the, some of my friends made a very persuasive case that it was really George W. Bush, I think. And it turns out he wasn't the nice guy that everyone <laughs> thinks he was. Uh, and I think there's a lot of truth to that because uh, he did some really insane things but i i don't know i mean sort of like you know which person do you dislike more bush or or obama it's really hard to say i guess you sort of have to take the two of them together because they destroyed the country they destroyed the country so thoroughly uh, to the point where we're sort of living in barack obama's fourth term uh but you know now I'm sort of rambling. <laughs> no, it's it's all good. It's expected on on the podcast. Um, I they do seem now, just obviously in hindsight, to be very much creatures of the same era. They're almost maybe it's you know history becoming a bit blurry <laughs> in hindsight, but it's just they 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 seem like you know they could be best buddies looking back from from our vantage point at the moment, um, and. You know, I think I think the point you make is is extremely good about the 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 founding and essentially the the founding is a, is just the the um, solidification of um, ideas that disappear uh, and are taken as um, as common knowledge or as as common sense once they are absorbed into into the body politic and into into people's minds. And I feel like that's you know I think um, ex- at Extra Dead JCB uh, credit to the for this it's uh, you know politics is uh, is just religion that people actually believe in, and it is I mean that's that's the, the caliber of these ideas you know assumptions about equality assumptions about um, you know race relations female and male I mean very fundamental day to day things have been completely upended uh, where ideas that your grandmother held are essentially tied to Hitler now, you know, just saying that it's just like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's crime stop, wrong think, Hitler, your grandma was Hitler, don't think about it. Everything that, you know, started from this, you know, from the new founding onwards, that's the only thing that matters. And um, it's, you know, the, 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 prof- the profound uh, adoption of all this stuff is, is quite shocking. And I don't think it would have happened without, without the, the wonderful world of media. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that's, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh, one thing I would just sort of add uh, briefly there is that, um, you know, politics being religion that, that people actually believe, um, 
I think there's even more that can be said about that because that's a, that's a good statement of where things are. Uh, we presently live in an age of nihilism. I mean, we just simply do. Most people, uh, to the extent that they'll even say that they believe in, you know, religion or God, you ask them things like, well, you know, do you go to church? And they'll almost always say no. And they've sort of made it their own religion, right? They say things, at least in America, you'll have Christians saying, well, you know, I don't need a church to mediate between me and God. You know, I, I'm I, just anything and everything to sort of change the meaning of what religion is, uh, because the, for all practical intents and purposes, they, they're no longer believers in the same way that even their own parents were. And so what happens when you have uh, circumstances in which most people don't really know what to believe anymore, right? Because science has been, at least it was so powerful until Dr. Fauci uh, came along. But, but what happens is that you're never going to stifle that about the human heart, the, the human soul. There is always going to be, it's simply within the nature of human beings to to desire something that transcends themselves. And when you throw God out of the equation, uh, the most obvious immediate candidate to replace that, because see, I mean, you're going to have that hole there and it's you're, you're, you're going to try to fill it with something no matter what. And the immediate candidate to fill it with is politics. Because what does politics do? Well, it gives you the opportunity to affect change in the world, to make the world better for, at least according to you, to make the world better for other people, right? So that becomes literally your religion, right? I mean, the same way that people used to have the kind of faith in their God to be able to uh, know that they were living a good life. Now they turn to politics because they think that that is what living the good life is. And that really sort of speaks to all of this, uh, the insanity of the virtue signaling, right? People, I mean, there's, honest to God, there's literally no reason to have a mask in your profile on Twitter because you're not going to catch any any disease, literally. You're not going to catch any disease uh, through the interface of your laptop, right? I mean, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's there because you want to make a statement, to signal something, right? To signal, hey, I'm a good person, look what I'm doing. You know, that used to be the realm of faith, right? The realm of religion. You knew that what you were doing was good because it was between you and God. And now what we have is people doing, making political statements because those political statements are for all practical intents and purposes, their religion. It's certainly a diluted and deluded understanding of anything that we would like to think of as sacred or holy. But that's where we're at, right? It's sort of one of these things where it's you know those hilarious one-liners where it's like you know I never thought I'd be saying this, but uh, you know, and here we are, right? And so sort of here we are, right? We got people with their bios on Twitter that have like the little needle emoji, the mask emoji, the black fist emoji, the rainbow emoji. It's like okay, so that's 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 the kind of person I'm dealing with now. Okay, all right, good to know, good to know. Yeah, it's you know the 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 nihilism really. Um, there, there's not really any other way to describe it. Uh, just I feel like uh, I, I've watched I watched a Netflix movie recently. I keep trying to remind myself uh, what exactly the name was. I think it's like something like the luckiest girl or something. It's like a Mila Kunis. It just came out. So I just watched it recently, um, and it was uh, it's essentially 
kind of an an awfuls fever dream. It's about this girl who who was raped by rich frat guys, you know, in a strange kind of blurry alcohol-infused thing. And then also school shooters are involved. So she gets together with the misfits of the school shooters, obviously kids who have been bullied by by these, you know, good-looking, Chad-like, powerful masculinity-type men who deny raping her up, to, up to, till the end. But then she... She works at the New York Times, obviously. There's so many layers of this stuff at it. And I just, you know, I, I watched the first five minutes and I realized what direction it's going to... I had to hate watch the rest of the 90 minutes. And it was, you know, it, it just kind of... I, I had that feeling just throughout, throughout this, like, what exactly is fueling this woman? You know, it's the, the only the only quality to her life was this this feeling that she had to... I don't know, climb the ranks at the New York Times. She was working for New York Times Magazine and she wanted to move to the New York Times proper. And she kind of set it up so that, you know, that if she did this, you know, everything would fall into place. You know, forget about the rape. (laughs) It's just like, I really want to be whatever, a very powerful woman yelling at people on the phone. I think that she actually says that throughout the movie. And I thought, you know, this... If I if I had seen this movie maybe 15 years ago, I would have been maybe inspired by her, you know, careerist's edge. And, you know, she's obviously um, positioned in the movie to be kind of this aspirational person. Obviously, she's got, you know, emotional issues and trauma and stuff like that. But she, her overcoming her rape is also her climbing the ranks of the New York Times. This is obviously, I do not recommend this movie. Do not watch this movie. Uh, I'm just saying that I, I felt that, you know, it was such a... Um, layers upon layers of the same nihilistic bullshit. And at the end of the whole thing, I think she gets the job. And even within this glorified position that she's in in the movie, it just feels like, you know, (laughs) absolutely nothing. And even with the best of marketing, the best of shine, it just seems like the most retarded thing ever. I think she takes down one of the rapists who's in a wheelchair or whatever. The The other two are dead, shot. Anyway, it's it's absolutely retarded. I'm sorry I, I went into like completely digressed, but it just feels like they're this is kind of like a, a religious object. They're really trying to sell this to you, and it falls flat. It sucks. All of this stuff sucks massively. And I can see people, you know, people who haven't gone through life who don't know that this stuff sucks. It might appeal to them, you know, the idea that you're. This skinny, beautiful, designer-dressed woman working for the New York Times sounds like a great thing until you are that person and then you see it's absolute shit. It's just another job. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the thing I would say about nihilism too is that um, most people talk about it um, as if it's something that they either are 100% already on board with or vehemently against. Very rare is it for people to say the truth, which is all of us are complicit in it in some way or another, simply because we were born into this. Uh, The fact that we could watch even episodes of something like I was mentioning previously, Modern Family, where it's not as extreme disturbing as like what you're talking about. But but that's the thing is, I mean, most people don't understand that but while it's true that nihilism is something of a technical philosophical term, the best way to understand it uh, is how Nietzsche presents it when he says that it's it's simply a, a kind of disorientation, 
And what he means by this is we no longer know how to say our yeses and our noes with principle because we just sort of don't really know, right? That, that, that's, that's the problem. And so all of us are kind of disoriented in a way as, uh, I mean, look, that, that's how we end up in these long debates, right? I mean, we've seen them on Twitter where people will say things like, there was some famous tweet that some jackass did where he said he's supposed to be a conservative too. Uh, he said something like, it's very easy to say that the drag queen sh- story hours are not good, but it's hard to give a, a reason why or something like that. And I was like, no, it's not. Uh, you're a nihilist. He, d- he doesn't even understand that, right? Because when once you've lost root or connection with the strong principles and I, would, I wouldn't even use the word values for very important reasons. Call them principles. Call them virtues. Don't call them values, right? They're not neutral. They're not like a deck of Pokemon cards that you take out of your back pocket and trade with someone else or something. You stake your life on them. But once you've lost the ability to have the, the strength of either a definitive yes or no behind something, uh, at least according to Nietzsche, and I think he's right, you're in the realm of nihilism. And we all can relate to that, right? We all know what it's like. And these are the kind of things that affect us in our our daily life. These are the kind of things that, you know, would pop up. For instance, I, I keep going back to the dating apps because I think there's such poison. But dating apps, right? I mean, it's, you know, they're basically one night stand apps. And you don't, you wouldn't necessarily go on a first date thinking that, you know, you're going to have a one night stand, but then you're in the situation and it's like, well, um, you know, whatever. (laughs) And then it happens, right? And it's like, okay, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's the characteristic of nihilism is not being able to have that kind of definitive yes or no in any of our sort of daily activities. And just like with the political discourse going on, right? If you see, for instance, a family uh, of people that are either, you know, gay or transsexual or what have you, uh, the thing in America that we're, everyone is supposed to live by is, well, I mean, it used to have to live by it was that, you know, just don't judge them. Right now it's gotten so much worse. You actually have to go congratulate them is what that's sort of the unwritten law, right? That's what they want to make into a, a law. That's why you have BLM people going into restaurants, demanding everyone hold a fist up and say black lives matter. And no, none of them go to jail. Right. But they'll ruin your evening. Um, but that, that's, that's the problem is and and that's what i wish people would understand more that that goes back to a lot of my efforts at least on for instance with twitter and elsewhere with philosophy is when people have a more uh robust understanding of these things um you're able to at least name the problem because once you can once you can put a face on the problem right once you can name the problem then there's a much better chance you're going to solve it but when people don't even know how to describe the problem, right? They just sort of have that sense that something's not right. You're in a much worse off position as far as being able to solve the problem. Yeah, that's that's a, a very profound point. And I feel like because um, our culture has kind of drifted into this very verbal direction, and very kind of image-based verbal direction, it's you're kind of the... Um, the burden of proof is essentially on you to verbally 
explain why something that you instinctively recoil from is wrong. And then, you know, with, with this type of stuff, um, it's, it's going to be hard and people are just kind of, they've been trained to ignore any sort of impulses, um, and say, okay, and this is, this is some, um, kind of atavistic bullshit. And then, you know, that's, that's wrong, wrong to, wrong to, to, to think that stuff. And, you know, like, like you said, you know, this movie that I saw is kind of an extreme example of this. And now at this point, you know, at the point that I'm, I am, I, I can, you know, kind of safely say, okay, this is repellent. You know, I, I recoil from it and I don't feel bad about it. But, you know, like I said, there were phases in my life where I would have uh, maybe known that there was something off about it and not really, it wouldn't have been clear to me. It was just like, okay, yeah, this is, something is wrong here. Um, and there have been moments where I would have been, yeah, you go girl. This is, you know, this is, this is exactly what you should do. You know, this sounds great. So yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah, this, this absolute confusion with how, um, how things should be. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing God's work in, in that sense because, um, yeah, this, um, people have thought about this for thousands of years and they had much, much clearer ideas about this, uh, thousands of years ago. Yeah, that's what's amazing is people don't realize when, for instance, you hear that phrase, live your best life. Uh, I mean, that's that's just a it's a silly slogan. And it's I've, I've never heard it used except when people are doing just really dumb things. Uh, and they, you know, like uh, that's what they say about that Lizzo woman who's uh, probably got she probably can't feel her feet because she's so overweight. Uh, but they're telling us that it's beautiful. Uh, she tried to lose weight. Apparently, her fans uh, and everyone attacked her for trying to lose weight. Uh, she gained it back, and now they tell her. That everyone says she's living her best life, right? When she's she's playing a flute, uh, supposedly a historically sacred flute, and a th- and almost naked. I mean, for what? For all I know, she was naked. I mean, because she's so obese, it covers up whatever little she might be wearing. And they simply say that she's wearing, she's living her best life. Uh, no, that's that's not living your best life. That's that's someone giving a slogan to being able to live any life at all that they want. And again, that's we're in the realm of nihilism because if 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 all lives are equal, right? If any possible life that one could live is equal, then there's no such thing as the good life. Right. What is they would say, well, what is the good? Right. And this is the question that, you know, philosophy, classical philosophy seeks to help people provide answers for or at least help them to better articulate the questions that are worth asking and then spend your life pursuing them. Right. You would never think, for instance, that mere pleasure is the good life. Right. The life of just someone who lives for hedonistic reasons, right? Everything is just a kind of a pleasure calculus or something like that. Um, But yeah, I I mean, it's, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying that I feel like people underestimate how much um, hedonism is essentially slavery to, to the senses. It's just, it's, it's an extremely dependent life. And especially now with all these very sophisticated forms of, of uh, dopamine management, uh, it, it is literal slavery. And, you know, alcoholics know this because it's kind of a more traditional drug, but there are many, many other types of alcohol-like things out there. Like, you know, just 
know, know someone kind of in my in my larger circle who's addicted to slot machines and they're unable to to work properly. They have to be at the slots, you know, at noon every day. You know, they're they're mishandling their family, they're mishandling their business. You know, that's it. That's the thing. Um, they haven't been able to quit for years, and this probably is, it's all going downhill from here. It's it's just it's it's terrible. And this is you know this is kind of slots. Slots are not, nothing new, but there's a certain you know things have evolved to a point where even the slots are essentially kind of video gamified, and they're they're quite they're quite more sophisticated than they used to be, uh, and obviously more addictive because that's that's the name of the game. That's the business. So it's uh it's it's really scary. Yeah, that's why I like uh, I like using that word intoxication because um, it, it can refer to anything that has to do with kind of overwhelming the pleasures or something like that. I, I saw this kid blow up at a grocery store on his own mom one time, and in front of everyone, he had no shame. I mean, this was a high school kid for God's sake. Had to, there's no way he was younger than like you know 15 or 16, and it was all because he wanted hot pockets. Like she had gotten him a, fr- she put a frozen pizza in the in the grocery cart, and he just exploded in front of everyone because he demanded uh, hot pockets. And again, that goes back to that Thucydides reference I made, where he says uh, the the word that Thucydides uses is eros, uh, uh, an erotic madness swooped down over the entirety of the Athenians, and just sort of they were all intoxicated intoxicated with this longing for something that if cooler heads would prevail uh they wouldn't have chosen and and we see this this intoxication with all of these various pleasures and hedonism right that's that's really what's at the root of all this sexual deviancy that we're seeing uh you know i mean they've they've even got the i mean it's almost like you want to i i personally wonder how much longer rupaul will be alive uh, it's, it seems like that guy has been around forever. He's been plaguing society forever. And now he's got his drag queen show there. Uh, Trudeau was on it, I think. Uh, and Pelosi was on it. Like everyone has to go on this, this insane, stupid drag queen show because they want to show that they're tolerant of trannies and stuff. Uh, and Receive that, their blessings from St. Paul. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, and really, that's just an, uh, that's just another madness, a, a kind of mad intoxication with with these sorts of uh, deviancies. I mean, that that's why, in the same way that we we know that alcoholics need help, and we used to know that these sexual deviants needed help, now we celebrate them as you know uh, not victims but champions, right? We that Bruce Jenner guy uh, gets a parade or something like that. Uh, from conservatives as well. Exactly, that's, exactly. I mean, it's that's just containment I'm, in action. I've rarely do you see something so you know platonic ideal of containment, Caitlyn Jenner. It was amazing. I actually saw him. They 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 brought him on one of the Fox shows, and I'm no I'm no apologist for Fox because I have all kinds of issues with them. They're I don't see their corruption too too much different than the other media. Um, but when they brought Jenner on, I was just like, "What? What is this? A fucking joke? I mean, are you trying to work one over on us? I mean, this is and and this was recent. This was like within like the last uh, couple weeks or something. I was like, "Why? Why does anyone at this point still even care what that man has to say?" And, and yet, here we are, 
right? It's one of those things. It's like here we are. Uh, we're just supposed to. We're just supposed to all pretend that it's not what it is. You know that it's not some kind. It, 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 it's it's one of those things where um, it's like when you're in polite society uh, and like someone farts or something, and you're just you, you're just not supposed to act like you smell it, right? You just, just like Jesus, man. What what the hell's going on here? But everyone is just supposed to, you know, sort of pretend that everything is fine when we all know that it's not. Yeah, that's, you know, that's just, it tells you that even Fox, even even they operate deep within the kind of the enemy's frame. I mean, this, you know, it's, it's very hard to, to wiggle your way out of it. Um, I think we're coming up on time a little bit. So I will ask you the question of the show. Everyone gets this question. It's, um, do you have um, any recommendations for our listeners? I know, I know you do, <laughs> but like, um, and what I mean is um, someone who might be underrated, someone who you think is, is an essential read, but that, that people are ignoring. And I guess this essentially sums up your entire career as a as a promoter of, of ancient philosophy. But if you can come up with someone that, that maybe, you know, maybe listeners haven't heard about. Yeah, sure. Um, probably the ones that I would name that people would not necessarily think of immediately would be um, Cicero, Plutarch, and and Nietzsche. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nietzsche because he really does an amazing job of diagnosing what we were all going to have to live through. Uh, he was sort of the one who called it. Um, and he's all of these, all of these three, Cicero, Plutarch, and Nietzsche. Um, they're very, very easy to read in the sense that they don't introduce any new terminology or anything. There's no neologisms but they absolutely are doing philosophy and they're doing philosophy in everyday language. They're accomplishing so much with a kind of common sense speak and they provide so much depth. Cicero can be a little bit more difficult because some of his works are fragmentary. Uh, so I would, if I had to just choose like two, then it would be Plutarch and Nietzsche. And then if I had to choose just one, uh, I would probably say Nietzsche. Uh, but uh, you're not going to go wrong with reading with reading those three. I mean, they're they're accessible. Uh, they provide uh, you don't have to sit down and read enormous chunks at a time. So even people who are busy uh, can keep a copy on their nightstand and just you know maybe read a few pages and come to a good stopping point uh, in the evening. Um, but it's very very rewarding, um, and you'll find examples of human excellence uh, that you definitely will not find in the world around us. Or in our daily lives today, uh, and that that alone is worth it because you find that as you read them more, you yourself become a deeper person. And at the end of the day, that's really the most thing, most important thing, right? Is to just become a, a more thoughtful person. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, those are wonderful recommendation. I, th I think we've had Nietzsche recommended before, but we have not had Cicero and Plutarch. So it's a uh, it's always welcome to, to, to hear new things. Um, and, and thank you so much for all the work you do. Um, I want to encourage everyone to uh, follow uh, Athenian Stranger at uh, Athens underscore stranger on Twitter. Um, go to Underground University. Um, and also 
please do follow the spaces. Uh, if you're in a friendly time zone, it's even better. Uh, but yeah, there are many, many wonderful spaces um, on subjects of philosophy and beyond. And um, is there any other thing that you'd like people to to have a look at? Um, I mean, I provide uh, just an enormous amount of uh, some of the best scholarship on really everything that has to do with philosophy on uh, my Telegram channel. Um, I, I will be probably creating a, a, another website that's going to have an awful lot more material here in the next month or so. But the, the Telegram channel, all the stuff there is free and it's completely anonymous, completely free. It's all the content that I you know dig up that I think is the best and worth taking a look at. Uh, entire books, uh, essays, all kinds of stuff. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, sort of my name, right? Athens Stranger or Athenian Stranger or something like that. I forget what I've titled it, uh, but it's easy enough to find. Um, but yeah, definitely have a look at uh, Underground University because a lot of the material there is free and we just provide uh, examples of courses that you might want to take to sort of teach yourself, right? And we provide the uh, I've provided the the text to read right for intermediate, uh, well, beginner, intermediate, advanced, and I provide uh, the text as well as the best English translations to get a hold of, uh, and it's it's sort of a one stop shop for people who really just want to get solid education without the indoctrination, and that's certainly uh, what I'm doing in all the spaces and and on my Twitter accounts. So. But but all that being said, uh, I can't thank you enough for having me on. I mean, this was this was a very great honor, and I really really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so thank you so very much. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm lovely to hear that. Yeah, I've uh, yeah I've been following you for a while, as I said, and and I'm really glad we had to we had the opportunity to do this. And uh, hopefully, you'll come on again. I would be more than happy to come on anytime. Uh, look, any anyone uh, who uh, has Lafayette Lee. Uh, or raw egg nationalist on their show uh, is, a, is a friend of mine. So it's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely wonderful. Two people. And uh, yeah, we've got, you know, just, just trying to get the, the who's who of, uh, of the best people in the world, which are Twitter anonymous friends. <laughs> so uh, you're definitely on that list. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. If you like what you're hearing, want to see where I take it, and maybe want early access to episodes, bonus episodes, access to the AMA, or you just want to support the cause of dissident speech or my work in general, head to my Patreon at patreon.com slash aksubversive. Your donations are what keeps the lights on and makes the show possible, so thank you. <laughs>